glad that you're with us this morning uh, here at Facebook Live. I, I gather that some people are getting tired of this. It's possible. Uh, I can get it because I'm a person who's an extrovert, and I like to see people right in front of me. I don't like to look at in a camera, or I don't like to look at a TV. I would rather see a person uh, right in front of me. And uh, I want you to know that we're almost there. We're just getting there. We're close. Next week, as Pastor Dennis mentioned, we will be reopening. It'll be different. It'll be the starting line. It will not be what it used to be prior. But keep in mind, as we move forward, we will get there. But it's not about getting in the building. I'm going to keep reminding us it's about getting back to understanding what faith is really about. It's a long journey. It's a process. It's something that we have to learn every day. We have to dig deep down. No matter how difficult the situation, no matter how you feel, no matter if you think that the world is spinning around you and the room is spinning because I've been going through that all week, it doesn't matter. We got to fight through it. We have to be soldiers and we got to understand the mentality is that we've got to move on believing God that he can get us through anything possible in our lives. Amen? I hope an amen from you guys. Tell me your amen and that I know you're there. I'm not looking down, but I need your amen so I can hear you and imagine you speaking to me right now. Now, about a year ago or over a year ago, the Washington Nationals were um, overcome uh, with the fact that their greatest fears in their baseball organization, as they had to say goodbye to their beloved superstar, Bryce Harper. Yes, he did go uh, what they would call into a free agency market. And when he did, they were thinking, oh, hopefully all the fans were all excited that we would resign him. And they were talking amongst each other at the water cooler at work, hoping that they would be able to resign him. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And many were standing at the crossroads, the baseball organization, the leaders, the owners, the VPs, the executives stood there and said, what are we going to do now? They're standing at the crossroads wondering what is this organization going to be like without Bryce Harper. And so they stood at the crossroads with the fear, wondering what happens if the next season is just a flop. They're concerned about their pride because they didn't think through this well, and everyone's going to complain, and everyone's going to come after them. They were even thinking about their own reputation. But see, through it all, they were able to understand they had to believe there was a faith that was moving forward. They had to believe that whatever they had on the roster and what could come would get them at least at a, at a 500 percentage for winning percentage. So they could at least say, hey, we had an okay year. And so they didn't know what to expect. See, and, and, and as we're talking about standing at the crossroads, whenever you're about to make a decision about anything, you don't know what's in front of you. You have no idea. You either can be in full of fear or you could have faith in what you have. But they stood at the crossroads. And just like us in Christ, we stand at the crossroads, not sure what's going to happen next. In fact, I ask a question as we think about next level victorious faith. This is our third part, uh, part three of our Standing at the Crossroads sermon series. I ask this question, are, are you an overcomer in your faith or has your faith or have your fear overcame you? And I think it's, it's important for you to understand if your fear has overcome you, 
when you're standing at the crossroad, it's hard to advance. It's hard to get to the next level. It's hard to imagine what would it be like to walk down a road and saying, okay, I can't do it because I'm too fearful. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm depending too much on what I believe I can succeed at or not. And see, that's what happens when you're sitting at the crossroads. And just like the Washington Nationals, they sat at the crossroads. Either they put their faith in the strategy and the planning in the roster that they have, or they flop. I mean, they had to do something. They had no other choice. They had to let go of the fact that Bryce Harper was no longer. In fact, he had to go to one of their rivals, the Philadelphia Phillies, and they were happy to sign him up for 13 years, over $300 million. Boy, imagine have that kind of money. But to see that, he had, they had to stand at the crossroads, and what happened? Everybody knows what happened. They became World Series champions. And here's why. Because they just stood at the crossroads and they said, we won't allow fear or pride or reputation to overcome us. We're going to go forward and believe whatever happens, happens. We're just going to trust in what we have. When we're, at the sta- we're standing at the crossroads of life and any decision making, either we can be overwhelmed with fear, we can be overcome by fear, or we can allow our faith overcome us. And to allow our faith to overcome us, something's got to happen. We've got to decrease. Bruno has to decrease. My faith in Christ has to increase. And it's hard because it's a journey. It's a process. I wish I can tell you every moment of the day I got it all together, but I don't. I fail often. I fail more than I succeed. I make mistakes. I misspeak. But yet I, I'm so gracious. I'm grateful to God for his mercy and his grace that he gives me another opportunity to be able to stand in his presence. Because it's not about me. It's about him. It doesn't mean I excuse what I do wrong. It simply means that I have to lean on him even more. And see, to increase my faith, that means I have to recognize that I have to decrease. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process until the Lord calls us to glorification. But here's the thing. As we move forward, as we think about what does it mean, it means that we have to decrease so God and his faith in our, in our God will be increasing. We have to understand that that involves us not thinking about our gifts or our talents more than thinking about God working through us. We're a vessel. We're a vessel, empty, ready to be used of God. And so understanding that, that we don't lean on our plans, on people or ideas. We, t- we often lean on people, but we lean on too much of people. If you're an extrovert and you're a people pleaser, you want people to be pleased in what you do. And if they don't, then you're leaning on that. If you're an introvert and you like to stay home, you don't want to be around people and you want to isolate yourself and you think people are just too much, it's just too much work, then you're going to say, you know what, stay away from me, people. I'd rather be alone. But then you might lean on that too much. And then you lean on your own in- intellect, your own wisdom, your own planning, your own strategies, and you're not leaning on God. So either way, whichever personality you lean by, you're going to struggle because the problem isn't our personality. The problem is who are we leaning on? And so, so it's important to understand that as we look at it, God is saying for us to decrease, we have to submit. We have to surrender. We have to sacrifice. We need to be humble. And let me tell you something. Being humble is not easy because the Bible says if I'm humble, he'll lift me up. But humility means that I don't get the credit, God gets the credit. And we live in a world 
We're challenged between independence and dependence. Our world tells us to be independent. God tells us to be dependent. You talk about a dichotomy that just goes back and forth. I'm going to tell you something. It's most challenging to understand what does that mean in our walk with God. That's the battle. Remember I talked last week about the battle of me? Well, that's the battle that still goes on. That's the battle in me. Is that in the battle in you? Because it is in me. And that dichotomy continues because then what happens is I want the credit. I want to say I did it. I want the that a boy. Maybe you're a woman, you want the that a girl. Sometimes I want people to recognize me. Sometimes I want people to recognize that I have a reputation to keep and I have to do things well or else. We want accolades, prizes. We want the likes on social media. We want it all. We want it all. And what happens is we continue to go down this road. So hard, so challenging because that's the battle. But I think our greatest battles, one in our faith, derives from our weakest seasons, derives from our injuries, derives from our battle scars, derives from the times when we have to dig deep down and cry out to God and say, God, I need a victory. Lord, I need your victory, not my victory, not for you to just get me out of the situation so I could look good. The kind of victory that makes you look good. That's the kind of victory. But it's going to come through the most difficult times, most challenging times, most weakest times. And I want to tell you, I really believe, looking at the life of Gideon just for a couple of weeks and looking at the standing at the crossroads, Gideon was a man who did not have much of faith, but he was fearful. He was overwhelmed with fear, and he always needed to make sure that he was taking the next step properly. So he had to always call on God and saying, God, can I do this? God, can I do this? God, can I do this? He kept asking and asking, Lord, are you sure you want me to, to, to take the lead, deliver your people from the Midianites? Do you really want me to do that? And with a resounding, God says with a resounding statement, yes. I will be with you. I am the Lord your God. I will be with you. He was so patient. He worked with him. How about us? When we think that God and what timing do we think that he would ever use us? Just like Gideon, afraid that if, if I had to face another fear, I, wouldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. God's saying, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. It's kind of like the parent telling the child to get on that bicycle. No, mommy, no, mommy, you're going to fall. I'll be with you. I'm right behind you. It's okay if you fall. I'll catch you. But sometimes that fear overwhelms us and we're afraid to get on the bicycle. We're afraid to get behind the wheel. We're afraid to move forward. And God's saying, when you're standing at the crossroads, you got to move forward. You got to believe. And God is saying something. But here's the thing. With increasing faith means we have to decrease. And so our greatest battles have to come. And so I say the greatest victories our faith walk comes when God removes he removes our resources so we rely on his strength. He removes our resources. When we look at this storyline in Gideon, that's what he's doing. Chapter 7 of Judges will blow anybody's mind who are walking with Christ because God stands before Gideon. He has 32,000 people on his, in his army and on his side to overtake the Midianites and the Amalekites. When we find out in the storyline is that they're going to be innumerable, so many people you can't even count them. And now you think, okay, I got 32,000 people. God says, you have too many. I don't know about you, but I would go crazy. I'm like, wait a minute, Lord, are you crazy? 
I mean, 30, I, need, I need more than 32,000. What do you mean I have too many, Lord? He's saying you have too many. Well, then who are we relying on, God? Because if we have less people, they're going to overtake us. You still have too many. And I think God is saying to us that he has to remove our resources because we lean on it too much. We don't lean on God. In the book of Judges, the cycle was simple, like I mentioned last week. Sin, judgment would come. They would repent and then provide the deliverer. 350 years. The foreign nations were appointed by God to judge his people due to their idolatrous and heinous sin. Yet God calls Gideon to be a mighty man of valor. See, when the Lord calls us to a certain task, it can make us feel valuable. It can almost make us feel like, wow, Lord, you really need me. And sometimes God has to say, no, I don't. I'm going to remove that resource. It's called pride. Stop leaning on it. Stop leaning on it to get you out. I want to turn, turn with me to chapter 7 of Judges. I just want to read to you. It says, then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them, but the hill Morai in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying my own hand has not saved me. And the word boast means actually in the Hebrew might glorify itself against me. So when they boasted that they did it, they were actually enemies against God. Do you ever think about that when you try to say that a boy or sit on your pride or lean on your pride that you're actually fighting against God, you're not fighting with God? <laughs> Do you ever think about that? I, when I saw the Hebrew, I was like, wow, I never thought of it. In fact, where it says, my own hand has delivered me, it means that if God is the one who promised to deliver, what we're saying is, God, get out of the way. I'm going to deliver myself. How many times when we're struggling, going through a trial, a difficulty, a decision, and we lean on our intellect or our wisdom to get us out because God's not working fast enough? So we say, God, I want to push you aside. I'll deliver myself out of this one. I need you to work now. Lord, I don't want you to work tomorrow or the next day or three months. I need you to get this out of me now. Come on, work this out, Lord. Take care of it. If he doesn't, Lord, I'm going to push you aside. I'm going to take care of this. That's what often happens. But here's the thing. If God is the one who's to deliver us, then we need to wait on him. And that could be a long time. And here he goes on in, in verse 3, and he says this. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So here he was. See, actually the word in the Hebrew, it's afraid and trembling. It's a hendeos, which is a double meaning coming together, saying, who tremble with fright. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want any of those guys out there when they're fearful fighting for, for on my behalf. I wouldn't want them fighting. See, God had to remove from them not only a pride, but the fear that was instilled in them because of warfare and battles. And each and every one of us, when we're going at the crossroads of life and we're looking down and we're fearful, really that's a battle for us and we're afraid. And if we're overwhelmed with fear rather than overwhelmed with faith and we're not allowing our faith to overcome us, then what happens is our fear perplexes us and then we're afraid and we're trembling and then we won't move forward. So I don't know if I would want someone to fight on my behalf if they're afraid. If I'm cornering about five guys are about to take me out in a corner and I have this superman with a cape on and he turns to me and goes I'm afraid I'd be more afraid I'd be like wait a minute what do you mean you're afraid I'm getting you to get me out of this and he says I'm afraid of these five men there's too many men I would just fall down and beg that they wouldn't kill me because the fear we can't lean on we tremble we don't want someone to fight on our behalf and here we need God to deliver us but what happens is sometimes God has to deliver us from ourselves. Whenever we say we're going to take care of it, I think that's the problem. And I think sometimes God has to deliver us from ourselves because we think our pride and our boasting will get us out by leaning on our own resources. And if we're afraid to move forward, when we're overwhelmed with fear, that's going to be a hard thing for us to capture. Love what John Wesleyan said. He said this, he goes, he said, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God, and I will shake the gates of hell. I just love that statement. I love the statement because he's saying Fear can rob me. Fear can steer me away. Fear can overcome me. Fear can be my enemy. I need faith to be the one in God that gets me through. And so it's important to understand that we have to decrease in order for our faith to truly increase. I want God to deliver me from me. I don't want to get in God's way. In fact, there's some scripture I want to share with you. We look at it throughout the New Testament. John the Apostle says, he must increase, the Lord Jesus, but I must decrease. When you hear Paul say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's Christ who has to live in me. And then it goes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I need God's strength to get through this time. I need to depend on him. Those are my times when I have the greatest victory. You know, in recent past, and I say in the last five years, Joy and I were struggling through many challenges financially, which even put some pressure on our marriage. Um, we went so much debt, it was just overwhelming for us. We, we just didn't understand. As a husband and a father, I felt like I was failing my wife and my children to support my family. I just could not understand why God was removing my resources. He wouldn't allow me, wouldn't open a door. He kept me quiet. He kept me still. And he says, I'm going to allow all of this because I have a plan. I'm going to get you out of it, but you need to trust me. It's a battle I need you to go through. I heard it distinctively, but I didn't want to accept it. And I was fighting inside saying, God, why are you doing this to us? And he removed resources. It didn't make sense. It was unexplainable. But my mentor said to me, I will never forget for the first time some years ago, he said, if you can explain it, then God is not in it. 
that blew me away because I couldn't explain it. That means I had a hope and trust that God was in it because I was fearful during that time. And I had to lean on to God. My wife and I had to lean on to God and I realized that God was removing me to improve me in my faith because I was leaning on him. And then we saw a miraculous deliverance, one that I never thought would ever happen. And God said, I use this as a testimony. Continue to share it. God delivered us from a lot of debt and showed us that he could do that. And I can tell you the fear was overwhelming. Second thing that we want to make sure we do, the greatest victories our faith walk come when God refines us and designs us to be aligned with his will. Look with, with me. It judges seven, four through eight. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down. So from 22,000 down to 10,000, he said, still too many. I'm still, it blows my mind. He said, take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, not go with you, shall not go with you. So verse five, he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. Verse six, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to the mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. I gotta stop there and say this. That just blows my mind. Now, the word test in verse 4 actually means sifting, refining. It doesn't even really mean the word test. It's part of it. But refining and testing. See, God, our greatest victories come when it's what God is doing in our lives, not what we do for him in our lives. And see, the idea of testing, that God is testing these people, I don't understand why. I don't know why God used this formula. I don't know why God was saying, go down to the water and drink. It doesn't make sense. Scholars don't even know anything of it. Some were trying to make sense of it, that they were on their four knees saying that they were, that they were so low and humble that they couldn't fight. Others were saying, no, they were standing up and alert, ready, you know, in case someone was attacked them. It really doesn't make sense. It doesn't hold water. All we know is that they had to drink water. And so that was the thing. And so it's understandable. Understand, understanding that the refining and the sifting, it was that God was really refining and sifting his leader. Gideon was the one he was doing it with. He was getting him to rely on him. He was showing him in the midst of this crazy battle that he had to rely on him. Down to 300 people. Because refining, sifting, is when you take the impurities out. God is refining and sifting us. He's taking out the impurities so that we could shine as gold. God is taking us through a time when you're refined and when you're going through a refining process, it's hot. There's a lot of heat. When gold goes through a refining as the impurities are coming out and it's drawing all the impurities, it's over 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit when it goes through that process. And if you can know that I used to make pizzas when I was in pizzeria, I would get next to a 500 degree oven and I would just shake and scared to even put my hand in there because I once did. I actually got my hand in my wrist and it just instantly burned it and I had to pull back. Some of my skin came right off. 
And I'll tell you, it's hot. It's hot, and I'll, it, it, it's, it's something. God is removing our old self, our old habits, our old character, our old lens, our old perspective, conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And the Lord then tests not only Gideon, he's testing even these soldiers to see that they're going to win with just 300 men. It doesn't make sense to this day. I don't, I don't even know because for me, increase is better than decrease. But with God, decrease is better because he's the increase and he fills the increase. And he always fills all the holes. It's God and God alone who does that. So then not only on top of it does he go to 300, but then in verse 7, as we see, it says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, With 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So he promises deliverance. He promises deliverance with 300 men. Wow, that's a bet. Anybody want to go and make a bet on that? If you go and try to go gamble right now, would you make a bet that God would win this right now with 300 men? And they lapped with their hands like this. Boy, I really want those 300 men on my side. But God said, I will deliver you. And let the others go every one to their home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So really what he said is, here you go. Not only 300, here's a trumpet. Here's a torch and here's an empty jar. Wow, <laughs> that's great. That's, that, that's going to be victory. All right. I'm cr- Whew, thank you, Lord. Boy, I got my gun, my, you know, my sword. I got all the necessary gear. Can you imagine someone going to war in the United States? Come on, guys, we're in the military. Can you imagine, Greg, can you imagine with a jar, a torch, and a trumpet? Boy, we're going to win today. Scare them with a jar. I mean, what, I, I mean I'll let the torch try to burn them. I, I don't know what God was thinking, but God's saying, I'm going to deliver you. And see, that's what God is doing. He's refining us. In fact, in 1 Peter, it says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials to the Christians who were being burned at the stake so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Bruno Jamba. No, at the revelation of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Doesn't mean I don't fail because I fail often, but it's about Jesus to his glory. So God is refining me and designing me and aligning me to his will for his glory and his honor and his praise, not for me. So God is testing me, allow me to go through struggles and trials because he wants to make me like gold. How precious? Well, if you check today, the ounce is worth $1,739. Any of you people out there who want to invest in some gold, I don't know if that's a good price or not. I don't have that kind of money. But, you know, it's considered pretty precious. In fact, the word in the, Hebrew, in the Greek means very high on the monetary scale. That's what the word precious means. It's valuable. So God holds us very precious. And he wants to refine us. And so we have to understand the greatest victories our faith walk with God come when God removes our resources so we can rely on his strength, refines us, designs us, and aligns us to his will. And third, reassures us of his rescue. Reassures us of his rescue. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like a Gideon sometimes. Lord, I still need to make sure. Are you sure this is what you want us to do? There are times I can be that way. There are times when I can be challenged. To know, Lord, is this your will? And I cry out to him because I want to do his will. How about you? How do you feel? Do you feel like that sometimes when you got to keep asking God and God understands? 
See here in verse 9, it says this, that the same night the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I've given it to you in your hand. So he reminds him again, he reassures him again that he's going to deliver his people from his hand. Now, the word arise means to just get up, go down against the camp is actually to go attack. So it's arise, attack, for I will give you into him. And he has to accept. So arise, attack, and accept, which God has already said he's going to do. He's going to overcome it. He's got this battle already won. All you have to do is go forth. So when you're standing at the crossroads and you're wondering what's ahead of you and you're overwhelmed with fear, God's saying, trust me, I already have victories ahead of you in advance. I have a victory. I want to see a victory. God already has a victory. But you got to go forward. You got to rise. You got to attack. You got to go forward and accept that God has a victory for you. And see, that's what it takes. See, in our faith, it's not about what we believe. It's not how we feel. It's not what we think. It's not our experience or wisdom or intellect. It's not what we can come up with. It's not that, oh, I've done this before. I can do it again. It comes from, Lord, I don't have a clue. I need you to be the captain of the host before me and lead the way. God is doing that with Gideon. And in verse 10, he says, but you are afraid to go down, meaning he knew he was. He goes, but if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Burah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Meaning, now he said, now I'm going to deliver it. I know you're afraid. I'm going to, you're going to be strengthened again. So, buddy, I'm, I'm telling you again the third time. I got this. The Lord's saying, I got this. Don't worry, I got this. Then he goes on to say this. Then he went down with Parah, his servant, to the camp outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And he goes this. He says, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east laid along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. Verse 13, but when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream. Just like with Joseph in interpretations and even Daniel. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it down so it fell and turned upside down. So the tent laid flat. And his comrade answered. He had the interpretation. God already gave him an interpretation. Look at this. What? This, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash. A man of Israel, God has given into his hand of Midian and all the camp. Meaning the man knew before even Gideon was totally convinced. He already gave him an interpretation. And then finally, as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. I mean, he sat down, he bowed down before the Lord and he worshiped. And he said, oh God, now I know you are God. You've chosen me. You've chosen me to fight the Midianites off. You've given me them into my hand. I believe you. I worship you. I praise you. I know you're in front of me. I know you're going to fight this battle. So God, here you go. And he returned to the camp of Israel and says, arise. For the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Gideon finally gets it all. Sometimes God has to take us through those battles. Sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we have to say, you know, in another version it says, you will be brave, now attack the camp. And he does. And he goes. And God delivers him. You know, it's through these times of doubt and fear and worry and uncertainty or hesitation that we learn to trust the Lord. 
these become moments of living faith. Let me tell you something, Grace Church. I've been telling the staff, I've been telling Pastor Dennis, we've got to have a living faith if we want to move forward. We've got to have a living faith. We can't hold on to our past. We can't hold on to our traditions. Although meaningful traditions, great. Meaningless traditions, throw them out the door. Because I'm going to tell you something, that will not carry us up the hill. And it won't allow us to fight our enemy, who is the enemy, Satan, who wants to overtake this church, who wants to overtake the universal church, who wants to be able to do whatever he can to create unrest in all of us so that we won't fight the battle. Go forward, stand at the crossroads, and believe God that he will overcome us in the midst of our fear. He won't. He will continue to fight us. Pastor Dennis and I were just praying this morning. He mentioned, he goes, just like a little child, Satan is running around trying to destroy us. Right now, God is doing something in me because all of a sudden now I've got the energy that I didn't have about 20 minutes ago. Because God wants us to dig hard and believe him for the victory. We've got to believe. And that's what was happening with Gideon. We gain greater confidence and assurance and hope during the battle ahead of us. We can believe the Lord for the next level. When God allows us to win victory upon victory, we get to the next level in our faith. We increase in faith, and then Bruno decreases. That's a beautiful thing. Just got to ask my wife until Bruno decreases. I don't know. We don't know when that's going to happen. But sometimes Bruno doesn't decrease because sometimes he increases, and he battles through those things. I know I'm talking of myself in the third person, but that's life. And the idea is that we have to become more involved and understand that we need a living faith. So this is what it comes down to. No matter how unpredictable or unexplainable our situation gets, we must believe God for the victorious outcome because we are promised that we are more than overcomers in Christ. Now let's just look at this passage right here. Let's just look at this for just a moment. I may not read the whole thing, but parts of it. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put the trumpets in their hands, all of them in empty jars. I'm laughing with torches inside the jars. Now they were trying to keep the flame there. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, as I do, when I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpet also on every side, all over the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It kind of reminds me of the Narnia movie for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp. And at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars and that were in their hands. And then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their hands the torches and the right hands and their left hand torches and the right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. You know what happened? The enemies started killing each other. <laughs> God created confusion. Let me tell you something, that's unexplainable. That's unpredictable. It doesn't make sense. But God will even allow our own enemies to kill themselves, to falter and fall when we put our trust in the Lord, when we stand at the crossroads and we believe him for the future. God will provide a way where he'll put 300 men against innumerable amount of men in a battle 
with a trumpet, with a torch, or with an empty jar. Because we have to decrease. He has to increase. We need so desperately a living faith. We're never going to be able to fight the battles in our lives, nor move forward in this standing at the crossroads for the kingdom of God. If the Bible says we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, then we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's quite simple. In all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nike in the Greek means more than conquerors. Did you and I do anything for this faith? You know what I give, how I, I contribute in any way to my faith? My sin. In my sanctification, I have to confess more sin than I want to admit. I have to be the one who yields and submits because I have to decrease and he has to increase. What I contribute is a broken heart, humility, sacrifice, submit, submission, and surrender. That's how I win the greatest victories in my walk. I don't know about you, but I want to live in faith for Grace Church. I want a faith as a church of a people of God who want to reach those who are far away from God. I want a people who are not thinking about themselves, but thinking about others. I want a people who are thinking about the gospel, trying to reach anyone and any, anyone and everyone for the kingdom. I want us to be a church that sees miraculous works. Would you join all of us here in being that church to stand up for justice, to stand up for what is right, to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to stand up for the process that we need to uphold the centrality of the gospel of him, Jesus. Would you stand together? We are more than conquerors in Christ. But what's stopping you? What's stopping me? What's the fear that's overwhelming you that you're standing at the crossroads and you're afraid to move forward? What's the doubt? What's the worry? Are you looking at yourself too much? Are you thinking you have to increase in order for your faith to increase? Or is it possible that God's saying once and for all, stop putting your confidence in yourself, stop boasting, stop putting your confidence in your wisdom and your pride and, and all your intellect and start leaning on me, humbling yourself. I want to challenge you this week as we move forward. Don't get anxious about coming back to the building. It's not going to increase your faith. Sorry for all of you that believe that. But what increases our faith is when we die to self. What increases our faith is when faith moves forward for, your, for the kingdom's sake. I want to pray for you and ask that God would move us forward. Father, thank you. Help us to see as your people, whether it's pride or fear or doubt or worry or too much confidence in ourselves, too much confidence in our intellect, our wisdom, or experience. God, please break us down. Break, start with me, Lord, break me down. It's a hard prayer so that we can have a living faith, making a stance for you in our community, making a stance for you for true justice, making a stance for you for the gospel. Lord, please help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We will see you very soon. And for those who are coming out on Sunday, we're looking forward to see you in person with masks on. God bless you guys. See you soon.